Make sure this thing is on. All right, I'm, I got it on today. What a blessed morning we have today, the Lord of our church. Youth, it's teen-led worship. It's an awesome, uh, humbling experience to work with these teens to uh, create a worship experience that everybody will enjoy. It's uh, very humbling to work with the young men and women in 6th through 12th grade. Um, I'm used to pointing over here, but they're not over there today. <laughs> so I need to point over this way. Um, it's, it's funny because uh, I talked to Harrison, who gave an awesome prayer. Thank you, Harrison. Um, texted him earlier this week, and he um, to meet up with him to see if he had any anxiety or anything that he wanted to work through. So I texted him and said, you know, I can meet up with you this week, no problem. He said, well, you know, don't worry about it. I got it, but uh, if you have to work or something. So I had to remind him, I was like, you know, this is my work. Just The frozen yogurt is just a perk. So... So we, we got together, and uh, Harrison did a great job. Uh, Dalton, thank you very much for your Lord's Supper talk, and praise team, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I said that uh, we started reading the Bible. I didn't have a very clean mouth. Now, after I was given the task of ministering to the teens, I had to watch it. Now, I have an awesome mentor, Tony, um, helping me with his many years in youth ministry, kind of like Timothy and Paul back in Bible times. So we're going to be spending some time in 1 Timothy this morning. You guys want to join me there? Um, 1 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to his close traveling companion, or son of the faith, Timothy. A young man who had been chosen by Paul to help him in his missionary journeys, we find out back in Acts 16. Um, it was, this letter was an instruction to Timothy on how to perform his duties as an evangelist in Ephesus, where a group of people were trying to teach some things that didn't really correspond with the gospel of Jesus. Find the first Timothy one through seven. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command or God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what an awesome opening. I wish letter writing was still around today, but man, that is something that's lost today. But as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship. From God, that is by faith, the aim of our charge is that love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they say, what are they saying, or the things about which they make Confident assertions, assertions. So, Paul's telling Timothy to make sure that wrong doctrine isn't taught at this church. And to make sure that the congregation doesn't fall for these teachings. Uh, this young man, who's talking about Timothy, in the research I've done, scholarly people have figured out, or guessed, that he is um, about in his mid-twenties or to mid-thirties, around that age. Now, of course, depending on your current age, that is, may seem old or it may seem young. But regardless, Timothy was given a huge responsibility to this group of believers to build them up through the teachings that Paul received from Jesus and passed on to others so that the whole world may know how to be saved and to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. So, I want us to think back for a moment when we were young and to think about the words that people told us. Either they lifted us up or they tore us down. Now, when a teen comes to me with their struggles, I often hear... A few normal things, but they have trouble fitting in or where they belong. You know, so they kind of feel alone. And can anyone here relate to that feeling? I can too, myself. 
You know, sometimes certain circumstances come up where, you know, depression will kick in. You know, I went through a rough time in my 20s where I totally felt the same way as these kids were. Um, even when I was in a group of my friends, I felt like none of them understood me or none of them cared to understand me. So, which led me to make decisions that affected me, not, not only me, but my family as well. Paul states in verse 5 that the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. He's telling Timothy that the goal of his instruction and all the apostles is love that comes from a pure heart. That was to be Timothy's. Just like us older folks, we've been given something that is so precious that we must pass it down to the next generation and help them labor in spreading the gospel of Jesus. You know, I'm a stats nerd, so I gathered some statistics on millennials um, to open our eyes and hopefully get to see where they are coming from. Now, this research I did was come from the Barney Group, which they do tons and tons of studies. And they took a survey of 18 to 30-year-olds on, on the Bible and some of the stats I have. Now, this is for what millennials, um, they consider themselves practicing Christians. So, 39% of this group said millennials believe that the Bible is their top source for moral truth. As compared to 16% that say church is, and then 14% say that their parents are. Now, this is good news, Amen. Now, of course, we want that number to be higher, but still good when you compare that 6 and 10 millennials that don't practice Christianity have never read the Bible. So now I've told the kids many times that they are in the biggest mission field as soon as they enter in that public school every day. And that's no joke. 53% of teens say they wish they read the Bible more, but have found it more difficult to find time to spend in God's Word. 14% of those teens stated that the their Bible reading has declined in the past year because, the number one reason, being too busy with life's responsibilities. What a shame that we demand so much from our next generation that they can't even find time to spend with God and His Word. Now, in the same token, 50% of teens see their parents read the Bible frequently or sometimes, which is awesome. So, older generation still reads it and the parents and the kids see it. So that's what Paul was asking Timothy when he asked him to come with him on his missionary journeys. Saying, hey, let me show you how it's done, because I'm not going to be here forever on earth, so you must continue the work of the Lord. Now, we need to be showing this next generation how important it is to be obedient to God every day of our lives, because he sent, our, he sent his son to die for us. Now, I asked a few of the teens in the youth group to do some research for me about what they think adults think about the millennial generation. And this is what they found out. Parents talk bad about our generation. They talk bad about the government. They want to change our generation. And they want to make things original or old school. Now, this is just a small group and just a small uh, findings I have, but they found out some powerful stuff. The words and actions we live out affect the next generation. Believe me, when you think that they aren't listening... That's when they're listening the most intently. You know, Paul entrusts Timothy that he will wage a good warfare. Starting in verse 18, he says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck out of their faith. Now, a lot of teens find it very difficult to wage the good warfare with a clear conscience because of the expectations that society or culture puts on them. 
Now, the biggest thing that I hear is about how society expects them to dress or look a certain way. Now, which leads to so many different things. You know, eating less, eating more. No, not feeling worthy of anybody. Which can lead to withdrawal from many things. Family, friends, church. You know, the stat from the Barnes study I talked about earlier said 40% of teens believe that the Bible has too little influence on U.S. society. 40%. Now, this means almost half of the teens surveyed think that God's Word doesn't have enough influence in society. This gives me a lot of comfort, because I know in time, these teens are going to be the ones that we're going to be hearing about changing the world. Now, also, they will be switching, hopefully, the world back to God, as the bronze serpent I talked about a couple weeks ago. That generation. 53% of teens say that regular Bible reading would make politics more civil. I thought that was a fascinating stat. Which is another comforting thing for me. Maybe they can change that too. Paul goes on encouraging Timothy in chapter 2. He says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now, there's usually a couple of recurring questions that I get from teens whenever we get into a deep enough conversation that doesn't include memes. One of them is, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And how can I still be alive for Jesus when I have all these scars or I've done all these bad things in my life? So when I get that second question, I smile because I think it shows the power of Jesus. Sometimes we think that we have done something so wrong that even God can't forgive us. That's not true. Most of us here know. God doesn't want us to live that way. Thinking He doesn't love us. If there's anybody here that feels that way, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I have felt that same way. He does love you. He loves you very much. And He wants you to experience that love every day. So, if you're wondering how you can be a, a life for Jesus with all those scars and all those things that you've done wrong, it's, it's easy to see that even light can shine through those holes for other people to see. Those scars, those things that you've done wrong can help other people come to Jesus saying, Hey, I did this. He forgave me because I told Him about it. Repented. And He helped me through it. Let me share my testimony with you. Now, when we accept Jesus into our lives, get baptized, we turn that light on inside, and those scores build other people up. Now, I just wanted you guys to get some statistics on the millennial generation of the next group of leaders. Now, this is a God generation, I believe. They struggle with the things that some of us may not understand, but please don't forget that we are the ones that are, that are watching and learning from. Just like Paul and Timothy, we have been entrusted to pass these stories and words on so that the work that has been going on since Jesus Christ walked on the earth doesn't stop. It can't stop. Because Jesus gave his life for us. We should dedicate our lives to make sure the new generations know the price that was paid for them. And this... 
It's kind of a joke I always have with all the teens that First Timothy 4.12 is an automatic youth minister go-to Devo scripture. But it, it's a very good scripture. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Church, this next generation, like I said, is a God generation. They love God, they love the church, and they love Jesus. Let's not look down on them because they are young. Let's talk to them about it because they want to talk to you about it. That's what we're all supposed to do. Now, as we elect or install new deacons this morning, it's going to be a wonderful time for God's church. These men and their families are stepping up to, to help lead and help grow God's kingdom. It's such a blessing. Amen? So, as we stand and sing our invitation song, um, let's remember that Jesus died for us and that we cannot afford to not share with this next generation. They can believe some. Just as I have without one plea.